Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the show is fired up. And I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. Plenty to get to. Obviously, we're going to be talking about the college football championship game from last night. We're going to be talking about Uncle Shea going DEFCON 3 on Jameis Winston. Tiger is no longer involved with Nike. We're going to be getting into that as well. Plenty to get to today. Justin Fields, is his time done in Chicago? We're going to be talking about that. The CFP working with the FBI currently for threats that have been happening with Florida State. Of course, this is something that's been ongoing, to be honest with you. This isn't exactly breaking news, so we're going to be touching on that a little bit later on in the program. What about Saquon Barkley? Is he done with the Giants? He was very clear about where he stands right now with the Giants. So we're going to be getting into that as well. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, it's all at Drew Duncan Radio. I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan. iTunes, iHeart, Google, etc. Wherever you're listening, I am there. And if you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel, The RL Drew Duncan, The Real Drew Duncan, where I do post entire episodes for free. I can promise you there won't be any ads, but free is free. And the only thing I ask is that you go ahead and hit the sub button for me. In the meantime, college football playoff last night. Michigan is your national champion. Look, here's the bottom line. When I talked about this game yesterday morning on the program, the thing that I brought up was simply this. The team that runs the football better will be the team that wins this football game. And in the first quarter alone, Michigan, or first half alone pretty much, Michigan, 200 yards right on the ground. And look, I understand that Dylan Johnson got hurt on the outside of that football game, uh, but you still can't give up on the run. And one of the things that I talked about was, especially against that Michigan front, you're going to have to run the football, wear them down, because you are going to want to play keep away. You're going to want to run a no-huddle offense but running the football, and they didn't do that. I said that chucking it 45, 50 times was not going to win you that football game, and that is exactly how it went down. Did you really think that you were going to be able to drop back and throw the football like that against that Michigan front? Look, Michael Penix Jr. didn't get sacked a lot in that football game, but you don't have to actually sack the quarterback to rattle his cage, force bad throws. Those guys on the front line were getting their hands up all game long, They were in his face all game long. He was nervous the entire time. It was honestly the worst that I had seen Michael Penix Jr. play all season long. And I mean that. Literally the worst game that I had seen him play all year long. And he's had a couple of tough ones. That one was definitely it. But I I think from an outsider's perspective, when you look at the coaching aspect of this football game, it should be very obvious that Michigan stuck with their game plan. They knew exactly what they wanted to do, and Washington looked confused from the jump. I mean, didn't they burn two timeouts in the first quarter on their opening drive alone, which, by the way, ended up in a field goal? A couple of bad throws from Penix Jr. in the end zone, and they couldn't get six. Now, I'm not saying that Michigan didn't play a hell of a football game because they obviously did. And it's a full four-quarter game. And even though Washington's defense stepped up into the third quarter, by the fourth quarter, 
th- there was just too much, too many turnovers, not enough offense. You know, they were on the field all game long. They were getting ran through, and that's pretty much all there is to it. I mean, this is not a difficult game to go and watch and say to yourself, one team was clearly better than the other. And Michigan proved that they were clearly the best team in all of college football. You know, one of the things that I talked about throughout the season was there were a lot of teams that hadn't really played anybody, but nobody was really setting themselves apart with true dominance. And at least even though Michigan really didn't have a tough schedule outside of the conference, and really there wasn't a whole lot in conference that was going to challenge them a whole lot, they were doing what they were supposed to do, and that was dominate football games. The reality of the situation is they use their players to the best of their capability. They know exactly how to use what's in front of them. This has been a long time coming. Harbaugh is a winner everywhere that he goes. You know, it's amazing because for the longest time when he didn't win the Super Bowl and things fell apart in Frisco, people started coming. I mean, there were former guys that played with Harbaugh. They were literally calling him a bitch. They were like, that's why he's never won anything because he's a bitch. Literally, I remember that statement. That's why they said he never got a national championship when he was at Stanford, even though he had turned that program completely around. And when they hired their new football coach, I said, look, it's going to be three to four years. That football team will be right back where they started. Let's not forget that when Harbaugh went to Frisco, he turned that football team around. They were not good at all. He took a lot of risk with Kaepernick because Alex Smith was playing pretty good. And when he went down, if I remember correctly, Frisco was a, what, 7-1 football team? It wasn't like he needed to make the change, but he had the guts to make the change and then stand by his decision. And let's also not forget that first year, he didn't have an offseason. He didn't have spring practice. He didn't have a training camp. He didn't have anything because of the player lockout. They just started playing at the beginning of the regular season. He had no preseason. He had no way to evaluate his guys. Literally nothing to go off of. In two, three, what was it, two years, the team was in the Super Bowl. He goes to Michigan. Everybody makes fun of him. He can't win big games. They haven't beat anybody with a winning record. He can't beat anybody that's in the top 25. He can't get over Ohio State. He can't do this, he can't do that, he can't do this, he can't do that, and yet all he does is win. Literally, as a coach, he has a winning record. Doesn't matter where he goes. Stanford, Michigan, Frisco. You wonder why the NFL wants to come calling again? You wonder why there's NFL teams? You you think he got demoted? when he went from the NFL back to college. I'm not going to say that it's not, but look at the end result. This is a bottom line scenario that that group of kids, him and his brother, are both winners, and that's all there is to it. He's had the right people in place. Look what happened while he was gone the first couple of games of the season. They won. Look what happened when he was suspended again for, what was it, another four games? Sharon comes in, takes over, they win. And they win one of the biggest games of the year, if not the biggest game of the year, Ohio State and Michigan. He has people in place. And he was very quick, very quick to point at Sharon. He, he was on that podium for, what, a minute, minute and a half tops? 
hey, look, man, you know, it was a great win. I'm glad you guys want to talk to me. But here's the thing. Here's the hero of the, of the game right here, the guy who coached it. He's good for Michigan football. You know how easy it would have been for him to take credit? Yeah, you know, just, you know, it's all about getting the right guys in place. You know how easy it would have been up there for him to stand up there and, and figure out a way to make it about him, but he never did. The bottom line to this season is Michigan was unhinged all year long. They got beat by a team that got annihilated in the championship game last season. That was not a good look for Michigan. Everybody laughed at McCarthy when he said, we are going to be back here. I'm not going to say that I haven't had my doubts about Michigan. But the bottom line is they proved that they were far and away the best football team in all of college. This is an unequivocal situation. They are the only team that can say that they beat Washington. And mind you, Washington played Oregon twice and beat them both times. And Washington's the only team that can say that they beat Oregon. It's a point-blank situation. Michigan played the way that they should have played. Washington backed off, got nervous, put it on Michael Penix Jr.'s back, but... You you can't do that against a defensive front that literally all they have to do is bull rush you. And then you're you're too slow in between plays. I mean, watching Washington was basically like watching a team that liked to throw it a lot in the mid-90s. All right. We got to take a break. Plenty more to get to today, guys. Don't you dare touch that down. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the show is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Tell your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening, I am there. And I am brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365. At Z- oh, <laughs> almost gave the old website away there at block50radio.com. Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Uncle Shay losing his mind on Jameis Winston. We're going to be talking about Saquon Barkley. Is he going to be with the Giants? Here we go again with that situation. We're going to be talking about Tiger Woods no longer with Nike. We're going to be discussing that. We've got Justin Fields. Is he still going to be in Chicago? The CFP, they are working with the FBI as we speak with threats over Florida State not being in the college football playoffs. Still plenty to get to iTunes, iHeart, wherever you're listening, I am there. Take your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan. Not going to promise you there's not going to be any ads, but I am going to tell you that it's free. You just hit the sub button for me. I mean, damn, who wants to pay for more subs anyways? Am I right? 
Uncle Shay goes bananas on Jameis Winston. I'm talking DEFCON level three. He called him a loser. He said if he was the Saints, he'd cut him right away. He said he doesn't have a winner's mentality. He said that everything about that play was wrong. And, of course, if you're not at the speed on this, the Saints at the end of the football game, when they destroyed ATL, it looked like they were in victory formation on the goal line and they were going to take a knee. And instead, Jameis Winston ends up running a play to get his guy a touchdown so that way he can get his bonus. By the way, if anybody watched that play when they went over the sideline, all the players were hooting and hollering and everything. They said it was a team decision. Uncle Shea reverted back to the fake spike by Dan Marino and the fake spike by Peyton Manning. And I'm like, well, those are, those are clearly different situations here. Look, there is a part of me that understands completely where Shannon Sharp is coming from. You know, first of all, his his assessment of Jameis Winston and how Baker Mayfield got that same team to the playoffs that Winston couldn't is a really outdated way of presenting that. I mean, that was a fact when Tom Brady was there, but it's not a fact now, right? I mean, you, you've got pretty much, I mean, you know, the receivers – but, I mean, outside of that, I mean, there's not a big remnant left over from when Tampa Bay even won the Super Bowl when Tom Brady was there. I mean, come on, let, let's just stop with that. That's an outdated reference. But in terms of Jameis Winston, the football player, I see where he's coming from, right? Sometimes you just get hyped up. You start spewing off stuff. I get it. I've been there. I mean, we've, You know, every journalist has made that mistake. So I'm not going to go after Uncle Shea for that at all, right? And what he's alluding to is as a player, he's not that good, right? I mean, let's not forget the 30-plus touchdown passes, but also 30 interceptions in the same season, right? That was, you know, the big knock, and that was why I made mention that Brady was definitely better than Jameis Winston because, well, look what happened. Basically, the same football team, they go to a Super Bowl, right? And then they, they don't just beat Kansas City. I mean, they whip their ass. It's all there is to it, especially on the defensive side of the football, just completely obliterated the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, the the point of all of this is, do I think that Jameis Winston is the best quarterback in the NFL? Clearly not. I mean, come on, you're playing back up to Derek Carr. That ought to tell you all you need to know about your career. In terms of what Jameis Winston did, look, it, I could see where people see it's a danger, right? You know, you could get somebody hurt. You're running a play. Nobody's expecting to have to protect themselves in any sense of the word. Somebody gets hit really hard, and now, you know, potentially they got a cushion or a broken bone, or now they've torn something. It's going to, you know, risk their career, or at least maybe next season, you know, they're going to spend offseason rehabbing. It'll hurt maybe contract negotiations, whatever the case may be. I, I'm with anybody who says that. I mean, I completely understand. To me, though, there is another side to this, and that other side is very, very simple. And that is, if you watched how Jameis truly lined up, you could tell something was about to happen. That's first and foremost. His body language gave him away. Secondly, you know, I I was just always taught to play to the whistle. You're always ready. Uncle Shea could talk about if that was a team decision, he would have jumped off sides. Well, I mean, that's fine, bro, but you weren't there, so you don't know. You could say what you do know, but you don't know. 
And the game has changed so much and evolved in so many different ways that it's too soft now. And I think for me, no, I know for me, to hell with this, I know for me that it's soft to worry about somebody running up the score. In fact, it's S-O-F, capital T, soft. And if you get that reference, we're homies. But it's SOF capital T, my man. Look, I'm tired of it's a layup. You know, when you're up by 15 and you know you're going to win the game. You know, that whole thing with Zion Williamson and doing the dunk that he did. And, you know, then the whole thing. Remember the Golden State Warriors and Steve Kerr pulling old boy aside and, you know, hey, we don't do that here, blah, blah, blah. You know, to hell with that. It's your job to stop the other football team. It's your job to always be prepared. It's your job to make sure that nobody reaches the end zone or that basketball goal. That's literally your job. You are literally paid to do that. And I understand that it's the end of the year. It's the last game for everybody. It makes sense that they would just take a knee. It makes perfect sense that they would just take a knee. Well, he disobeyed what the coach wanted him to do. (laughs) I guess people forget what it's like to have comrades. I guess people forget what it's like to know that every now and again, you just don't listen to your head football coach as a team. And the coach shouldn't get mad. Why? Because they came together as a team, as a unit. And, hell, they did it more in that moment than they did, honestly, the rest of the entire football season. Because the entire football season for the Saints was basically a joke anyway. Why is anybody surprised by something like this happening with Jameis Winston or the New Orleans Saints? Everybody's acting so shocked and appalled. And why would he do that? It's just not professional behavior. Give me a break. Every day, every game in those trenches, things happen that are not professional. Things happen that are dangerous and egregious. Man, there's that understanding, bro. I'm not saying there's not. I'm not saying that there were no risks taken. I'm just saying to act so bananalistic about it. I mean, seriously, why are you just, and I do mean bananalistic, bananalistic. You're just going bananalistic. Why, Brody? Why are you DEFCON level threat three right now? Why in the absolute hell are you so bothered by this? When there are a million and one other things in football that have happened this year that you could have been way more bothered by. Way more bothered. You could have been bothered by the the treatment of Russell Wilson, but you weren't bothered by that, though, were you, compadre? You could have been bothered by how Peyton gave up 70 points. That lasted 10 seconds. You could have been bothered by a lot of things with the Denver Broncos, but nah, nah, you're good with that. So that's fine. We're bad with treating Russell Wilson like he's a nobody. We're good with treating players like they're nobodies, but we're not good with somebody pulling a sneak attack so that way somebody could get his duckies. Man, please. Everybody knows that if that was them lined up and they had a shot to get their money and it was given to them, they would absolutely take it. Don't tell me you wouldn't take the skrill. Don't tell me you wouldn't rather line your pocket with the cash because you absolutely would. 
And that's also a bottom line situation. Again, I get it. I'm not saying it's not dangerous. But what I am saying is everybody knows that money talks and BS walks. That's all I'm saying. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. Brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio. We're going to take a break. We got bills to pay around here. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. The show is fired up, and we are live. I am brought to you in part by WBFR. That's Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7-365 at block50radio.com. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan, iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening, I am there. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan. That's The R.L. Drew Duncan. Get you all set up for a free podcast. Only thing I ask is you hit the sub button. And we're Gravity. Still plenty to get to in the show. We're going to be talking about Tiger Woods here in a little bit with Nike. That's come to an end. We're going to be talking about Saquon and the Giants as we get ready for that offseason saga. It's getting a nauseating point now like it is with Aaron Rodgers every year. Seriously. Which, by the way, a guy found an old post of mine on YouTube about Aaron Rodgers. Where I was like, is anybody else thinking hearing about Aaron Rodgers from the pandemic year? Man alive, my pandemic care, bro. <laughs> Holy jeez. I really shouldn't have put that video up wearing anything but a hat. Come on now. We're going to be talking about Justin Fields. Is he done in Chicago? I mean, seriously, you should, <laughs> if you happen to come across it, man, my hair. Oh, not a good look. Not a good look. And then, of course, we're going to be talking about the CFP. They were in Houston for a lot of different things, mainly, though, FBI. Supposedly, people are getting threats that were on the college football committee because Florida State wasn't in, so we're going to be discussing that as well. In the meantime, Adam Silver rescued Draymond Green from retirement. Well, he talked him out of it anyway. Look, I am tired of dealing with the people who say that Draymond Green is no good for the game of basketball. I am tired of people saying that there's no place for somebody like Draymond Green in the game of basketball. I am tired of people saying that Draymond Green is a nobody. If he wasn't with the Warriors, nobody would have cared about Draymond Green. His career would have been nothing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Look, I've said over and over again, I said it yesterday, as recent as yesterday, I should say, And I'm going to say it again today. Draymond Green is one of the last remnants of what we appreciated growing up with basketball in the 90s, basketball in the 80s. 
what we've seen from basketball in the 70s, what we know about basketball from that time frame, the physicality, the somewhat dirty play. I mean, come on, the New York Knicks, how dirty were they? The Detroit Pistons literally beat the hell out of Michael Jordan. And you're telling me that Draymond Green isn't a necessity? Guys were flinging elbows and getting into fights. Does anybody remember the malice at the palace? What about when Larry Bird and the entire Celtic team, they got into it? Come on now. I mean, let's let's stop all nitpicking and ticky-tackying and deciding who we're going to choose for our heroes to be. Well, those guys backed it up. When has Draymond Green not backed it up? When has Draymond Green's play with the rebounds and the assists and all that never backed up what he has done on that basketball court? I'll wait. You can't tell me that it hasn't. When all is said and done, Draymond is going to be remembered in the likes of Dennis Rodman for his defensive play, for his rebounds, for his no tolerance, for his zero tolerance of anybody coming onto his court and thinking that they're going to dominate him. And I have said over and over again that if the NBA didn't see him as a necessity, then they would have made sure that he was gone. The Golden State Warriors could have got rid of him a long, long time ago. And all anybody wants to talk about is, I can't believe this guy's still in the league. Well, now you know why. Because Adam Silver... And that's the rest of the NBA not only sees him as a great basketball player, but as a necessity to the game of basketball. If you don't understand that, I do not know what to tell you. Everything was Sabonis, all the suspensions, the the fighting and practice, the whole enchilada. It has never Never occurred to anybody that Draymond Green does not belong doing what he is doing for a career. Not to anybody that actually matters, I should say. Not the decision makers with the Golden State Warriors. Not the decision makers with the NBA. And look, Draymond just lost $2 million. Draymond said that he was done, he was over it, it was getting to be overwhelming, it was too much. Adam Silver said, no, 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 if you retire now, that's a rash decision. Let's think about this. It would have been very easy for him to say, well, you know what, man, if you think it's too much, you know, I, we'd hate to see you go, but, you know, you know how it is. When you're at a job, you're really stressed out, there's a lot going on, you don't know if mentally you can overcome it all. Whether it's on you or not, we're not we're not talking about that relevancy. We're we're talking about the day to day stress. And you go to your boss and you're just like, you know, I don't know if I could do this anymore. I don't know if I could take this. You know, I I got too many people on my head. Uh, you know, I'm not getting along. You know, like this isn't a good atmosphere for me anymore. I don't know what to do. I'm thinking about leaving, and they go, well, you know, we don't we'd hate to see you go, but. And you know why? Because we're a lot more replaceable than you think we are. That's number one. And number two, they really don't give a damn. I mean, if they don't want you around, they're not going to do everything they can to keep you. How many times have they said, you know, hey, man, let's sit down. Let's talk about this. Let's let's see what we could do to make this a more conducive environment for you. 
Where are we going wrong? Where are the, the colleagues around you going wrong? The co-workers, what's, what's happening here? Let's talk about it. No, they just let you fly on your ass, little ass on out the door. That's what they let you do. It would have been very easy for Adam Silver to have that conversation, but he didn't. Instead, he said, don't make any rash choices. He's good for the game of basketball. He's good for the NBA. He's good for the Golden State Warriors. He brings in dollars. He cost himself $2 million doing what he did. I'm not justifying the last stuff here that's been going on with Draymond. I've justified him a lot over his career. Finally, I got to a point where I'm like, look, maybe he just does need a little bit of time away. But here's the thing, though. He did everything that was asked of him. And even, you know, according to Steve Kerr, there there were tears shed and, you know, they're crying together. I mean, you know, look, man, everybody goes through stuff. And Draymond could be going through things that, you guys are not seeing and not everything is our business. Everybody goes through behind closed doors, man. And we want people, we're we're in a place in society where we want people to empathize with us. And we're in a place in society where we think everything is our business, but it's not. I think Draymond Green was probably, and has been dealing with things that we don't know about. That's what I think. I think Draymond Green has been going through issues that we have no clue what's happening in his life. Everybody thinks being a superstar is so damn easy. Everybody thinks being popular is so damn easy. It's not. Everybody is looking at you now. They're looking at every little mistake that you make, and you are being judged 110% upon everything you do, whether it is right or whether it is wrong. And everybody's going to have a say-so about it when you're a professional ball player. Well, they know what it is. They sign up for that. Have you not heard Jokic talk? Have you not seen how burnt out Jokic is? The man wants to live a quiet life with his family and just play basketball. He can't do that. He doesn't want to do this. He already said, when I retire, I just want to be able to fade away into the spotlight and just be irrelevant, basically. When I'm done, I'm done. It's a lot more difficult than you think. Even during his playing days, Michael Jordan was saying, you know, I'm getting a little older now. I like my privacy a little bit more. Come on, we all understand that. I'm just saying there could be something else going on. Draymond did everything that was asked of him. Let's everybody move on. Adam Silver himself talked Draymond Green out of retiring. I think that ought to tell everybody everything that they need to know. All right, we're going to take a break. Don't you dare touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Everybody, I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the program is fired up. I am brought to you in part by WBFR, that's Block 50 Radio, which is online 24 7, 365 at block50radio.com. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan, iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you are listening, I am there. 
Still plenty to get to today. We're going to be talking about Tiger Woods and his relationship ending with Nike. We're going to be talking about why. We're going to be talking about Saquon Barkley, the Giants, what Saquon had to say about it, what basically he's burnt out. We're going to be getting into that as well. We're going to be talking about Justin Fields. Is he going to be in Chicago come next season? We're going to be discussing that here momentarily. We're going to be talking about the CFP, them working with the FBI continuously over alleged threats or perceived violent threats towards the college football playoff committee because Florida State did not get into the college football playoffs. Which, look, even with Jordan Travis, I got news for you. They wouldn't have beaten Michigan. Do I think they should have been there? Absolutely. I'll maintain that no matter what. But you you look at that Michigan defense and the way that they played in these college football playoffs, come on, man. That, that is not happening. Not happening at all. We're going to be getting into that momentarily. I am on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan. I do post entire episodes over there for free. And I went ahead and last night, my opening segment, I went ahead and put that on YouTube. I went ahead right after the game, got it off my chest. Go ahead and I, I put that up on YouTube. So if you just want to hear about the CFP for joining me in the middle of the show, that's what you want to hear about, go ahead and swing on over to my YouTube channel. It'll be the first video that you see up there. Hell, I didn't even edit it or nothing. Just boom, directly from the podcast site. You know, it it went all the way to like iHeart. I think it's on iTunes by now. I think it's on Google by now. I think it's on Deezer, all that stuff. So if that's what you're looking for, go ahead and check it out there. In the meantime, the college football playoff committee is currently working with the FBI over perceived emails and phone calls that they have deemed to be threatening. Of course, this has been going on for a little while. We reported on this back about a month ago, really, when all this initially took place. And it continues to be a topic of discussion for the CFP. And the bottom line scenario here is these quotes are saying things like, you know, everybody's had complaints about whether or not they got it right or wrong. This is a different level, et cetera, et cetera. They, they called it profanity-laced emails, which, you know, who knows what the profanity is. If the profanity is F you, well, I don't really see that as a threat of physical violence. Now, if the threat is I'm going to F you up, well, then we're talking about a different level. Look, I want to be clear about a couple of things before I get into this other part. Because in case you don't know me by now, I need you to know exactly where I stand. Although I would say most of social media by now, given the comment section, definitely knows where I stand in this. And that is, regardless of anything, regardless of what happened last night with Michigan, my thing is Florida State absolutely should have been in the college football playoff. Now, who do I think should have been left out? Coincidentally, I think it should have been Michigan. Why? Well, because if they get hit with anything, it's going to be tainted. That championship is going to be taken away from them. Their their win over Alabama will be all for naught. You're going to have SEC Nation rising up all pissed off. People from Florida State are going to be absolutely justified and go, see, you could have left out Michigan. You knew these allegations were going on. You knew this was a potential Why the hell didn't you just let us in and get our shot? Of course, the same thing could be said for Georgia. I mean, I still to this day do not understand how in the absolute hell Georgia went from one to six 
People are, well, there's only four teams that you can let in the CFP and there's only five power conferences. Well, you know what? I think you, you could do better than six. I think you'd do a hell of a lot better than six. I mean, honestly, for my money, it probably should have been Florida State, Michigan, Georgia, and Alabama. I mean, if those are the teams that you wanted to get in, you know, or, or probably leave out Michigan and put in Washington. But, you know, the, the reality of the situation is that's probably how it should have gone down. Florida State, Georgia, Washington, Alabama. You leave out Michigan because they got allegations hanging over their head. And if they win, which they did, it's a problem in case that thing gets stripped away. It's a bad look for college football. I've said that 101 times. Now, how do I feel about this? Well, number one, there's nothing out there that anybody has been open enough to speak about to say that this is clearly a direct threat. So we don't know if this is the committee's way of saying just because you don't like our decisions doesn't mean that you do, you get to harass us, basically, is what we could be looking at here, right? Leave us alone. Stop it. That's not fair. Well, if there's no real actual threats, and I do want to reiterate, if, if there are no real actual threats here and it's just a bunch of profanity-laden emails, well, then you take your lumps like a man because you put yourself in that position. You decided to leave out an undefeated football team and let in teams with a one loss. Look, Texas has the head-to-head over Alabama. Then just leave them in and say, look, Alabama, you did great. You're an SEC champ, but there's no undefeated teams out of the SEC. We're just going to go ahead and put in Florida State. And Texas has a head-to-head over you, and they beat you, and that's all there is to it, whether you like it or not. We don't care if it was the first week of the season or the last week of the season. They've already beat you. They are in. And they're a conference champion, even though that one loss to OU certainly did not look very good for them, especially given how OU's season turned out. Yeah, they, I mean, come on. Did anybody, I, yeah, so look, the reality is that's a bottom line statement. Bottom line if all this is just to make sure that they don't get any harassment, because look, man, I've had people in my DMs. I've had people in my DMs telling me to cleanse myself, apologize. I've had people in my DMs telling me I'm an idiot, that I have no clue what I'm talking about. I've had people copy and paste what they told me in a DM in my comment section. It happens. People are going to disagree with you. That's all there is to it. I have been called a jock writer, if you understand what I'm saying here. Although they didn't use the word jock, I've been called a jock gobbler. Again, they didn't use the word jock. In fact, it's right there in my comment section, jock gobbler. It's right there for everybody to see. And I left it in there. You know why? Because number one, it made me laugh a little bit. I'm just being honest. And number two, I don't give a damn. If you don't agree with me, so be it. Now, having said all of that, if in fact, they're really, and I mean really, and I mean really, are threats, then it's too far. It is way too far. And I'm talking about actual threats, even if it's just a threat of beating somebody up on the CFP, not going to the extreme of unaliving somebody. I'm talking about the actual, I mean, any type of threat, if I'm going to F you up, that is too far. And I've had that. You don't want to know the vile stuff that I've been told. I have been told by people that they hope I continuously enjoying being assaulted, if you understand what I'm saying here, by my father. 
I've had it said to me. The guy apologized, and I'm not going to buzz his name out, and it was years ago, but I've had it said to me, and it was over my opinion of Tim Tebow. I, at the time, believed that Tim Tebow should have been given a shot in the NFL. He didn't think so. Well, that was the end result of that. I've had every threat just about that you can think of as a journalist. And I think that we are well aware of the situation, and I think that we are well aware of the position that we put ourselves in. Simultaneously, there is going too far. And I have seen too far, and I've been a part of too far in terms of having it go to me. So if it has gone too far, then it's irresponsible of anybody. I don't care if you're an ACC fan, a fan of Florida State, if you're on the football team, whatever the case may be, you have taken it to that level, then it is entirely too far. We need to keep things in perspective and realize at the end of the day, it's a game. It's a highly emotional thing. You know, people always used to say, when somebody's in your house, you don't talk religion and politics. I have basically added to that sports. Unless people are coming over to specifically watch sports. But just like starting the conversation of sports, sometimes you can be very tiptoe. Because you never know how somebody's going to react. Especially when they're drunk off their asses. Which is what this sounds like. And I will say, if it went to that, it's inappropriate. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan, and we are live, and the program is fired up. And I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio, which is online 24 7, 365 at block50radio.com. Check out podcasts, the latest in news, whether it's hip-hop, celebrity news, movies, whatever the case is, it's all there. Especially when Tiger, or not when Tiger Woods, but when uh, Cat Williams went mad. I don't say mad, but man alive. He went DEFCON 3. But you know, the thing about it is, if anybody watched that, Cat Williams was very calm and deliberate in his approach. Confident and calm. He didn't yell. He didn't go off the hook. He wasn't all, Drake, Drake, bar for word, bar for bar. <laughs> he didn't do none of that. Which, you know, thievery in an industry is, I hate to say it, but it's been, it's been commonplace for a long time. I mean, the original creator of Batman didn't finally get his due until Batman versus Superman came out. And that was what, 2015 when finally his name was plastered across the big screen. And now there's literally an award dedicated to people who are not getting their due as a result of basically theft, stealing my material, hijacking me. I know what it's like. It it happens to me all of the time. People tell me I'm crazy till they listen to the show and then they watch the big league guys and then they go, Oh, geez. They're they're literally quoting you word for word, my man. I'm like, Yeah, I know. Can't do anything about it. I, mean, I could go after him for blatant plagiarism, but you know, that's a real pain in the ass. 
So it is what it is. And anybody who's been there knows exactly what Cat Williams is talking about. Why does it matter who initially auditioned? I really just don't understand. Because the reason is who they initially thought was better to begin with is a thing. That role basically catapulted Cat Williams' career. That role set him up for a lot of things. And who they thought was better in the first place You could look at that and say, well, if so-and-so, anybody, not just Ricky Smiley, but anybody, had anybody done that role, maybe that would have done the same for them. And we wouldn't even know who Cat Williams is today, potentially. Why do you think it is so personal? That's why. It's a thing. And unless you've been there, then I can't expect you to fully understand. That's all I'm saying. All right, plenty to get to today outside of that. we got Tiger Woods and Nike to talk about, Saquon Barkley and the Giants to talk about. We've got Justin Fields in Chicago to talk about still. I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts, by the way. The Real Drew Duncan is on YouTube, The RL Drew Duncan. And if you want to check me out on podcasts, then head on over to wherever you're listening to podcasts and just simply tell you the device play Fired Up by Drew Duncan. That's pretty simple. In the meantime, Saquon Barkley says, look, I'm not really sure that I'm thrilled about the potential of being franchise tagged again. If you guys are going to do it, please do not wait until all the way into March to do so. If you want to let me go, let me go now so that way I can figure this thing out. And I can't be mad at him. He already had to fight for his dollars as it was. Everybody was talking about Daniel Jones like he was the next big thing after one decent season in the NFL after they had one good year, and nobody wanted to look at Saquon and give him any credit for it. They wanted to say that Danny Dimes was that guy. They kept saying Lamar Jackson isn't even worth Danny Dimes' money, which is a complete joke in and of itself. This is why I don't get hyped up on one season. Now, I want to be fair about this, because as much as I love Saquon, the reality is he is a very injury-prone football player. But the New York Giants, I feel like, gave up on the season after that first ass-kicking that they got at the beginning of the year from the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, it looked like they had completely given up by the second quarter. I mean, even Saquon wasn't even trying anymore. And I think he felt like, why am I doing this all by myself? You know, the, the NFL is a fickle place, and I've said this a million times over, and I said it long before anybody else was, and this is why... You know, I was so glad that Barry Sanders documentary came out because it really verified everything that I've been telling people. You don't want to let go of your main guy. The reality of the situation is Saquon Barkley is still the man with the New York Giants. That's really all there is to it. He is the man with the New York Giants. It's not Danny Dimes, it's not anybody that plays defense, it's none of the wide receivers. Everybody and everything starts with number 26. That's it. That's where it all begins and ends. And if he's not working, then everything else isn't going to work in and of itself. The fact of what I'm saying here is I think it is time for everybody to move on 
with Saquon and the Giants. It's over. It's a done deal. It's a wrap. He doesn't really want to be there anymore. That team is usually not successful versus being successful. But there is the conundrum, though, and that is who is going to want to take a risk on him given that when was the last time he actually finished a full season? A season where nobody asked themselves, is he going to be available this Sunday or not? A season where he wasn't out for multiple weeks. A season where, like I said, at the bare minimum, the question has been there, is he going to be able to show? Come game time, is it a game time decision? Has he been 100% cleared to play? It's a bad football team that didn't care this year. Everybody gave up. They knew they were bad. They had one good season, and that was it. Daniel Jones got hurt. We we saw better play sometimes from backups. I mean, come on, man. Tommy DeVito, who didn't do anything at Syracuse, was getting more love and more respect than Daniel Jones. And look, I know that Danny Jones got hurt, and he got very disrespectfully asked, hey, do you think the Giants should go after a quarterback next year? That's <laughs> as funny as it is. It's also a little effed up, my man. That's a foul-ass move. Asking a quarterback that is wild. But, I mean, then again, it is his opportunity to say, man, you know what? If you think that we should, fine. But I'm telling you right now, I'm the best decision that the New York Giants are going to make next year. Be on your Tom Brady, Brody. Go out and prove everybody wrong. Use it as ammunition because I'm going to tell you something. The fact that Daniel Jones was kind of shaken by that It also ought to tell you everything you need to know about DJ. And that is, he is not built for this. He's just not. It's not his football team. And believe me when I tell you, you think they're bad now. Wait till Saquon goes. Look, it it could end up benefiting everybody. You know, this is one of the things that me and the homie talked about. Somebody's not there. You know, like he was talking about like Tiki Barber when he was with the Giants. He's like, bro, look, he wasn't there. And all of a sudden the team got better. Because before that, everything was all about Barber, Barber, Barber. What's he going to do? We don't need anybody else. We don't need to invest in anybody else. We don't need a really good offensive line because we got somebody on screen plays. We got somebody that's too fast for everybody else anyway. We got somebody who can play wide receiver. I mean, that's a pretty composing argument. You may be seeing the Giants kind of in that same situation with Saquon, that they're not able to really think about anybody else because they've got him. But if they move on from him, Maybe it opens up a door for him and the Giants. And that is a very logical thought. Shout out my man P-Dub. I'm on board with that 100%. You see that? You see how I don't take credit for something somebody else said? Do you see that? Do you see how that works? Do you understand Cat Williams now? These guys all knew each other and deliberately stole stuff. Everybody sided with Joe Rogan on it when he talked about it. I think we all need to take a step back and really look at Cat. Anyways, that's my two cents on that. Guys, I am Drew Duncan. The show's fired up. We are live. I'm brought to you in part by WBFR, Block 50 Radio. Block50Radio.com is online 24-7. We're going to take a break and pay these bills. Don't you dare touch that dial.
Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the program is fired up. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Drew Duncan Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take your device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan on iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you're listening. I am there. I am brought to you in part by WBFR Block 50 Radio, which is online 24-7, 365 at block50radio.com. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, it's all Block 50 Radio. I'm wherever you're listening to podcasts, guys. Wherever you're listening, I am there. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan. If you don't want to pay for any more podcast subs, head on over to the YouTube channel, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, where you can listen to an entire episode for free. I'm not going to tell you there's not going to be any ads, but I am going to tell you it's going to be free. And the only trade other trade-off is, I should say, is go ahead and hit the sub button for me. That's it. That's all I ask. Let me drive up some of them numbers. Help me to get some duckies. This stuff costs money, guys. I don't know if everybody knows that or not. And, and I realize I got to spend money to make money. But, you know, I also prefer everything to happen organically. You know, I, I don't want a bunch of bot followers and, and fake followers. And you know, I don't, I don't want to hit the wrong audience. You know, the, and by the way, TikTok to me is the worst place for that. I will literally say this is the age frame I want. And for some odd reason, like a bunch of 21-year-olds end up on my – which, you know, I don't have a problem. I mean, 21-year-olds love football too, but it's not the demographic that I'm looking for predominantly, especially if I'm talking about like John Elway or something like that. I mean, you know, which I don't mind educating young folks. I know I sound like a jerk right now, but what I'm saying is is if I'm looking for a certain demographic, damn it, that's what I'm paying you for. That's, that's what I expect to, to have done. You're, you're clearly throwing it in front of the wrong people, which – you know, TikTok really kind of started out as a as a youth app anyways. And by the way, does anybody else, like, create a lot of content on there? Because TikTok keeps asking me, like, put up a picture for your chance at more views. Well, first of all, dude, you have my number of followers way wrong. We, I've had this conversation with you I don't know how many times. You, you're, you're not fixing that. I, I've got way more than 33,000. Let, I mean, let's just keep it a buck on there. And then secondly, like, why? That's not... It's literally not the content that I produce at all. I don't produce content that is, hey, check me out, bro. Here's my selfie. It's not what I do. I make content about sports. Like, stop trying to make me do things that I don't give a damn about. Even when I was thinner and I worked out all the time and I took really good care of myself and all that, I did not go around taking a million pictures and putting them on social media. It's just, it's literally never who I've been. I don't feel the need to be an egomaniac, and I know people are going to hate me for this, and I don't care, but I don't need to be an egomaniac and, and be on Snapchat and take 90 pictures of my face a day. I just, I don't see the point. And then, of course, the next year, what is everybody putting up, you know, from Snapchat memories? And, it, you know, you're just clicking. There's like 50 of them. You know, if it wasn't, honestly, look, if it wasn't for this gig, I wouldn't even have social media. There is an old school part of me that still lives inside of here, believe it or not, that wishes this was 1996 and all I had to do was come in, do radio, go home. That's it. I wish 
I could do that. I've worked at radio stations that are just like, dude, why are you not that active on social media? I, I just don't think it's necessary for people to know that I had a salad and did my workout today. Why does, uh, to me, why does anybody care? I just think that it's more conducive to just, this is my profession. This is what I do. Every now and again, here's a selfie, and that's about it. Plus, being in the public eye, I don't want people to know where I'm at 24-7, 365. I mean, damn, man, the paparazzi is real. Not that I'm that big anyway, but I mean, still, if I if I were to get to that point, like, I, I just, I feel Jokic. I really do. I, I, But then again, you know, I'm different. Anyways, real quick on this, Justin Fields in Chicago, or out of Chicago, I should say. You know, I'm 50-50 on it. You know, again, if anybody listens to me, anybody knows my program, they know that I am not the type to jock ride anybody. I need time given before I'm able to make a truly correct assessment. Now, I have been known to jump the gun and say right out of the gate, I don't think that's going to work. I don't think that person's going to make it for this reason or that reason. I don't think this person's a very good wide receiver or quarterback or whatever the case may be for this reason or that reason. I don't think this defense is good for this reason or that reason. You know what I mean? And I am willing to admit when I'm wrong. For instance, I was very wrong about Lamar Jackson. I have since retracted that I don't know how many times and just threw my hands up like, what are you going to do? I mean, the first year in the NFL. And I never do that. And I was just like, man, I think I was wrong about this guy. A rookie came in, a team with a losing record, and they made the playoffs. I mean, that's impressive. You 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 got Joe Flacco benched. And, I mean, look what Joe Flacco's doing right now with the Browns. I mean, really think about this kind of full circle thing, guys. Really think about this deeply. And Joe Flacco didn't do anything in Denver. That's for damn sure. You know, if Justin Fields could be related to anybody at this point in his career, I mean, maybe you could say he's taken maybe a Geno Smith path. But even then, you know, I don't – I've always – I've said that I don't think Geno Smith is that good. He's a starter right now in the NFL, but I'm sure you could probably name about 20 quarterbacks easily that you would take ahead of Geno Smith. I mean, let's just keep it a buck. He'll have one really good game, one really mediocre game, very Cam Newton-like. You know, I know that Colin Coward and all these other guys like to say that Justin Fields is nothing more – than a YouTube highlight guy. He has a couple of really big plays, and the rest of the time he's not very good. Now, I'm not going to say that's a very unfair assessment as much as I can't stand admitting that anybody, you know, that works in these companies is right. I'm not going to say that that's not an unfair assessment. There are a lot of mistakes to clean up. But with the Chicago Bears, especially since their time with Jay Cutler, and and even then with Jay Cutler, it's been very difficult to decide whether or not this is on players or coaches. I mean, because you're trying to draw a definitive line. Who can we blame? The double doink, Jay Cutler, because he was really hurt, or was he really not hurt? At the time, Brian Urlacher said he was, and later on said that Jay Cutler wasn't that tough. I mean, you just you never really know. Is it play calling? Is it the wrong people involved? Is it a group of guys that are just kind of happy to be in the NFL and so they're not giving their full 100% every game? What is going on? I mean, you just – you don't really know. You – sometimes quarterbacks, any athlete really in general at the professional level, 
finds themselves in bad situations. This is why I say that the NFL draft not only needs a change, but I don't have an issue with a quarterback or anybody for that matter taking control over their own career. Bo Jackson did it. I'm not going there. John Elway did it. I'm not going there. Eli did it. I'm not going there. I mean, we all know that if Bo wouldn't have got hurt, he probably would have been the, the best running back of all time other than maybe Barry Sanders. And, and you look at how the careers of Elway and Manning turned out. Manning got a couple of Super Bowls with the Giants. Elway got a couple of Super Bowls with the Denver Broncos, potentially one of the greatest quarterbacks. I mean, easily one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. I don't care what anybody says, actually. Potentially one of the best football players of all time on top of that. He's certainly the greatest Denver Bronco that there's ever been. There's no debate about that. I mean, that that's really what we have to start thinking about, right? If If we're going to blame the Chicago Bears, then we also have to blame the system that's in place that says if you don't go where you are taken, then you're being a diva, right? You're, you're, you're being too good. Just appreciate being in the NFL, okay? So my options are I'm in the NFL. I go to whatever team I want that, that tells me that they want me to go and play for them. I'm the number one pick, which is basically like being interviewed at Vector. I mean, if anybody's had that thing happen, you know what I'm talking about. Or I decide to hell with that. I make sure I find a better situation. I learn how to truly play the game of football, and then I get my dollars after that, and I have a nice, long career in the league. Because I've gone to a team that's at the bare minimum, middle of the road, and already has some really good components. Pretty good coach, good staff overall, some really good players, maybe a defensive or you know, really good offensive line, solid enough defense. We all want everybody to be CJ Stroud and Tom Brady. This is not the way that it is. All right, we gotta take a break. We'll be back after this. Don't you touch that dial. Block 50 Global Radio. Hello, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live, and the program is fired up. I am brought to you in part by Block 50 Global Radio, or part of Block 50 Radio, WBFR, which is online 24 7, 365. At Block50Radio.com. Guys, they are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all at Block50 Radio. I am wherever you are listening to podcasts. Take a device to play Fired Up by Drew Duncan, iTunes, iHeart, Google, wherever you are listening, I am there. I'm on YouTube, The Real Drew Duncan, The RL Drew Duncan, I am there. I'm kind of curious what everybody's favorite social media platform is. You know, I mean, really, when you think about it, YouTube is pretty much an OG in a lot of ways just because it's sustained for a long time. And YouTube has done a very good job in making sure that they are well-rounded but never lost. Even with the YouTube shorts, they never lost what they are really about, right? They've never made the YouTube shorts longer than a minute. So they want to keep their primary audience. And I think their primary audience has an appreciation 
for people who actually want to sit down and listen and watch stuff. Like me, honestly, when I watch YouTube, a lot of times I'll put up YouTube on my TV. I'll do it from my phone, but I mean, I'll I'll do it on TV. It's just, to me, YouTube is probably my favorite out of all of them just because of the convenience of it. With YouTube, I think I get the best of both worlds. If I want to watch something that's lengthier, then there's no, like, I don't mind watching it on YouTube for some weird reason. You know, I I don't think TikTok has completely destroyed this yet, but even then they started allowing 10-minute videos some time back, right? So as much as the, and even then Vines, right? Remember Vines? They were like six seconds long. And TikTok was just an exaggerated version of Vine. That's it. And it became air guitar. And it still pretty much is air guitar. But to me, TikTok has changed so much. I mean, again, like the picture thing, like I, I just, I don't know. It's not my thing. I'll tell you that. I really don't even use Facebook that often anymore, to be honest with you. Now, I just post sports stuff. Same thing with like Instagram. With YouTube, I'm not quite as afraid to make full videos that I've actually sat down to edit. Like, you know, I've made stuff for like NBA, NFL and all that. Like I've done, you know, some things, right? I mean, I've put full pieces that I did on television and and lengthy and and full length on YouTube, you know, where I didn't have to cut it down to, you know, a minute and a half to two minutes for for television time and all that kind of stuff. Like to me, YouTube is really what I would really like to be successful on. That would be my my go-to just because – I feel like it's a format that fits what I do better, you know, but it's, it's so hard because everything is oversaturated now and to get everything organically, not saying it's not a possibility or an impossibility. I think last check I'm just now over 500 subs. So that's not too bad. It's not great, but I mean, hell it could be a lot worse. So one of the, videos that's been really popular lately is this video that I put up of the I said foot when football was football and it was Denver playing against Cleveland and you know that was it's been hitting on there pretty good you know and I I think it's raised a lot of good conversation about how the game is played today and the safety protocols versus back then but for me when I watch that video I just see proper tackling I see proper technique I just see more hustle plays. I just see a lot of things that I feel like I don't see now. You know, again, to me, all these guys do is just fly around the football and and always look for that big hit. Wrapping up stops people more often than not. At the bare minimum, you're going to slow them down properly and allow for the team to catch up to you when you're on the defensive side of the football. You know, we just we don't see that anymore. Everything is all about speed and just flying into somebody. It's just not how football should be played. At least in my estimation, that's how football should be played. To me, that's it's sloppy. There's just there's no technique and running really fast and then just trying to lay the wood on somebody. Proper tackling form still gets the job done more often than not. I'm just saying. And it's less dangerous for both people. Your face is up the way that it's supposed to be. Anyway, 
Real quick here, Tiger Woods and Nike no longer a thing. Tiger Woods did say that he doesn't want to say what his next endeavor is. And let's also remember that Nike, they, they stopped doing their golf line back in, what was it, 2016? So Tiger Woods hasn't even been using Nike apparel for pretty much a long time. And so when it boils down to it, what is the significance of, of Tiger Woods and Nike staying together anyways? I mean, especially at this point. I mean, you know, Nike's focused on football and basketball and everything else. I mean, it just – to me, what was great about the relationship between Nike and Tiger Woods was breaking down the barriers and the stereotypes. I mean, let's be honest. Golfing was considered – Let's keep it a buck here, a white man's thing. And Tiger Woods came in and completely destroyed that. And at a very young age, mind you. One of the hardest working athletes you will ever read about in your entire life is Tiger Woods. And obviously, Tiger and Nike, they've had their ups and downs and all that. We don't need to get into that. That whole stuff, it is what it is. Everybody's got their issues. I'm not really here to judge Tiger Woods for anything that's happened in his personal life. I'm not. And obviously, I think Nike is very on board with this because, again, the partnership really just from a business standpoint doesn't really make a whole hell of a lot of sense anymore. I mean, in what way are you going to promote Tiger Woods now? You don't have a golfing apparel. You don't have golf clubs. You have it now for basically eight years. There's kind of no no mesh there anymore what are you going to use Tiger Woods for and what is Tiger Woods going to use you for I think it's good for everybody to move on you know I mean who knows what Tiger Woods is going to do next I to me it would be logical for Tiger Woods to start his own brand and really like and I mean like brand brand I mean, really go after it hardcore. We've got Tiger Woods golf clubs, Tiger Woods balls. We've got Tiger Woods shoes. We've got Tiger Woods shirts. We've got Tiger Woods everything. He's a big enough name and a big enough brand that if he went all in on something, really, truly all in, he would make a ton of money. He really would. I mean, you know, he was very grateful to other golfers who really kind of helped spearhead him and Nike and all that and, and, and putting together a Nike package with the PGA to begin with. Because let's be honest, golfing was really never that popular of a sport. But Tiger Woods brought something different to the table. And he made people watch golf. Whether you were just watching to see Tiger Woods or you were watching to see if Tiger Woods was going to be actually really good at what he did. And come to find out, he is. I mean, wasn't it 82 tours or something like that that him and Nike had together and how many damn championships. I don't think that there's really a whole lot of question as to who the greatest golfer of all time is. I don't know enough about golfing to say anything. I could talk about the old school guys that my pop used to watch, you know, Phil Mickelson and all that. But really, when you think about it, has there been anybody that's better? Now, there could be some up-and-comers that have have a chance. But regardless of anything, Tiger Woods – is certainly the biggest name still to this day. I don't think you can throw out a bigger name. You say Tiger Woods, everybody knows who that is worldwide. Tiger Woods, I know who that is. You say Phil Mickelson, fans of golf are going to know who he is. Some outsiders are going to know who he is. It's not going to be that way for Tiger Woods. 
everybody knows who Tiger Woods is. And I think that's the difference between being a star, superstar, and a megastar. Tiger Woods is a megastar. And I think that goes without saying. And I don't think that this is a bad thing. Nobody's made it out to be a bad thing, at least from what I've seen. And that's the correct approach. Because it's just, again, financially, it doesn't make sense for either one of them to continue on. Just based off of the fact that there is nothing for Nike to really be associated with, with him or with golf. Keeping it a buck. All right, everybody. I am Drew Duncan. We are live. Brought to you in part by WBFR. We're going to take a break. Don't touch that dial. 